What's up? This is Coach Taylor, and you are tuned in to Keep Your Pads Down, the podcast for defensive line coaches. And this is episode number 74. Thank you for checking us out. I hope you're having a great week and that you're bringing the juice wherever you are today, whatever you are you're doing, whether you're, I don't know, teaching some history, maybe coaching some junior high ball, maybe digging ditches, or working on that TPS report that your boss has been asking about. Man, bring the energy with you today. Personally, I'm not having any problems in that department because after what is no doubt the weirdest offseason in history, we finally get to play a real football game this Friday night, which makes this a game week for the Pleasant Grove Hawks. So we are fired up. Uh, we are actually getting to travel across state lines. You know, we're up here in the northeast part of Texas. So uh, literally our, our school's a mile from the Texas-Arkansas border. We're actually going to travel across state lines in Arkansas to play Nashville, Arkansas, who is a perennial powerhouse. And it's going to be a great game. Looking forward to it. Really, really excited to finally be playing a football game. Uh, so we got all that going on. Plus, we have a great guest lined up for you today. So we got no room for Eeyores over here, baby. We got a lot of stuff to be excited about. Today, we are talking with Plano East High School defensive line coach and special teams coordinator, Coach Nate Collins. Coach Collins is in his 16th year of coaching, with 15 of those being in Plano ISD. And he's been on the varsity staff there at East since 2009. In addition to being the D-line coach and special teams coordinator, Coach Collins serves as the academic coordinator for the Panthers as well. Today, Coach Collins and I are talking about the importance of paying attention to the details as a coach, creating a winning mentality within your position group and your program, and the unique challenges of coaching at a school with over 5,000 students. Now, some of you guys listening to this podcast, there's not 5,000 people in your town that you coach in, so imagine coaching at a school with over 5,000 students in it uh, and, and, and having just juniors and seniors at your campus, so not even seeing your freshmen or sophomores, not to mention your middle school kids, you know, not being able to develop those guys. That's what they do over in Plano ISD. And we're going to ask coach about that. How do they do that? What's that like? All that and a whole lot more today on this episode of Keep Your Pads Down. I can promise you Coach Collins never gets a case of the Mondays and he's going to bring a ton of positivity and energy. So I'm excited for you to get to hear him today. So here we go. Here is coach Nate Collins on episode number 74 of Keep Your Pads Down. Well, I'm glad to be joined by Coach Nathan Collins from Plano East High School there in Plano, Texas. Coach Collins, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate you having me on. Yes, sir. Absolutely, Coach. You know, you have uh, kind of unique when it comes to coaching. You spent 15 years there uh, in the Plano School District. But, you know, let's back up and talk about your journey through the game of football and what that has looked like up to this point. Okay. Well, uh, I, I attended uh, Trinity Christian High School out in Cedarville, uh private school. Uh, went to school there from ninth grade to graduation. Uh, really awesome program. Uh, really molded me as a man, um, you know, faith-wise, just confidence, all those things. Uh, struggled with academics a little bit. You know, I wasn't the strongest student. Play at a junior college. I'd go to West Texas, play at Cisco Junior College. Went out there, played for a year, tore my hamstring. 
uh, had some really severe back issues and transferred back home and ended up going to UNT where I ended up just being a student. So I, I never I never played there, but um, still had a passion for the game. And uh, the way I kind of describe my route, friends of mine always joke about this, but I'm kind of like the kind of like the Manny Diaz <laughs> of high school football. Yeah. Uh, if you know anything about Manny Diaz, the uh, head coach at the uh, at the U, he um, went the journalism route. Sort of like myself, I majored in got my undergrad in journalism, and uh, had a real passion for um, uh, the production side of things. And ended up my first job uh, was at Channel Five, and wow. I worked as a production assistant. And but always had that burning desire to get back to the game. And, and and really, if you think about it, I, I only got that taste one year post high school playing at the junior college, and it just you know just things didn't work out, and uh, ended up going into the working world. Worked there for about a year, and I just decided, man, I can't. I mean, legit, I'd go to bed dreaming about it. Like I, I want to get back to the game. And during that year, I spent a lot of time studying, reading, uh, watching things on online and, 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 and picking the brains of some of my buddies who were coaching and uh, really boosting my football IQ. You know, you think you know the game until you look at it from the other side of things as far as the coaching side goes. And uh, I quit my job and I uh, started, you know, a lot of people didn't understand it you know, at the time, but I believed in myself. I believed in um, my abilities and um, jumped into the coaching route, got teacher certified. And, uh, you know, gosh, that's been, what, 16, 17 years ago? Wow, that, that, it is a unique uh, journey there into coaching. I want to go back up and talk about this journalism thing. So when you're watching, you know, sports highlights or you're watching, you know, uh, whether it be ESPN, you know, Fox Sports, whatever, uh, do you find yourself sort of critiquing those guys or still wishing that you could maybe jump back in the booth and, and, and call a game, something like that? No, you know what it, you know what it really is. It, it was I think I fell in love with writing in college, and I fell in love with. I mean, you, you got to realize I, I not only did I do that, but I actually wrote uh, for a couple newspapers in college as well, and uh, helped produce some shows that were uh, on TV at our college news station. And also, uh, when I got the job at the news station. Part of being a production assistant is we have to write the news scripts for the anchors. Yeah. So I really love doing that because I'm a detail-oriented guy. Yeah. So I liked, I love anything where there's a process. I mean, it's a, I mean, I did the, I worked overnight. So I, I get into work, you know, midnight, 1 a.m. And I wouldn't get off till like 8 in the morning. So I was writing for the early morning news. And it was, it taught me a lot, a lot of discipline, you know, uh, again, attention to detail. You screw something up there, I mean, everybody's watching, everybody's going to see it, everybody knows who did it. So that just really carried over into coaching, and it's the same way I prepare today, whether it's scouting, whether it's special teams, whether it's D-line play, whether it's the academics or the recruiting, the process is what I fell in love with. That's really interesting, and I have to ask this. So now you, know, you talked about just sort of the some of the things that translate from your journalism background into coaching. You know, being detail oriented, 
and and you know paying attention the process all that all the things that go into that uh what what other areas uh, of coaching uh, have you benefited from by having that journalism background? I mean, are you guy? Are you the guy that that writes up coaches' resumes for them? Are you are you typing up the uh, the letters to the parents for the head coach? What, what how else has that helped you out as a coach? Yes, sir. A little bit of that. A little bit of that. Coach will, you know, if the if the head man's you know drafting up a letter every now and then, he asks me to proof it, look over it, and uh, you know, just got an eye for that, um, and. Anything I kind of got this 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 belief. I don't believe in just handwriting something and putting it in a kid's hand or handwriting something detailed. It's got to be typed. It's got to look good. I'm a bit of big Excel guy, so I you know to me that's my product. And again, that all stems back to my passion in high school and in college. Fell in love with anything that had a process to it, where you know it, people could see your product and see the reflection of your work, good or bad, hey, this is what I have to offer. And if something has to be altered or corrected or fixed, then I'm all ears, man. Let's get it right. Because, uh, again, came from my mother, came from my father. Take pride in what you do. Somebody's always watching. Somebody's always critiquing. Somebody's always what they say about you after meeting you or after getting something from you. That's your that's your brand. That's your stamp. See, this is where you and I sort of uh, ha- have some common ground here because uh, I was an, an English major and, 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 and okay. briefly thought about thought. And, and if anyone listens to this podcast, they've heard me tell this story before, so I won't get into it too much. But briefly thought I wanted to be uh, a sports writer and has still found myself kind of gravitating back towards that. Oh, you know, over the years, you know, still have, have, have done some writing since. Uh, and and really enjoy that, and like you talked about, you know, enjoy the process, enjoy enjoy you know putting things down uh, in writing, and and so uh, I I can relate to the you know proofreading letters or proofreading things that we're going to send out to parents and things like that. It's kind of a blessing and a curse, right? I mean, it's a it makes you valuable, but it also uh, is is sometimes you know puts more uh, more work on your plate for sure. Well, yeah. talk to me about just, I'm sure there were some, some, some coaches along the way, whether it's you were a play as a, as a player, or even as you, when you got into coaching as a young coach, who are some coaches who influenced you? I'll tell you what, I've had the honor of being surrounded by some really, really great ball coaches. Okay. But there's, there's really one dude that stands out above them all because of when I met him, you know, it was my first varsity job. It was my very first defense coordinator, uh, coached by the name of Ty Patrick. And and Ty, uh, actually today he is he's down in Belton, down in Belton ISD right now, uh, DC down there, and I believe he's the assistant athletic director. But Ty really influenced me because for the first time in my life, a man that was so driven and so detail-oriented, but also equally flexible and relaxed and super chill. I mean, normally, you know how it is. You, it, it's kind of, we're kind of wired in certain ways. But he was, he, he, could, he could relate to all demographics, all ethnicities, all learning types. And on top of that, he wasn't much older than me. And Ty's probably... I mean, maybe a year older than me, mm-hmm. but he taught me so much. And just like myself, 
he also loved the process. So just being with him for those years that we were together, oh my God. I mean, it was the way he game planned, the way he broke things down, the things that he would notice and he would see. I mean, it's like he had eyes in the back of his head. And, and, and he taught me some tricks that still to this day, and again, this is no knock on any other coach I've ever worked with or worked for, but this dude was real instrumental in me as a young coach in paying more attention to the details. I thought I was detail-oriented, and then I met this dude. And, I mean, it, it, it was, I mean, I could tell you stories about this guy. It was, he, he's just a phenomenal coach. You know, again, you, I can relate to that, to that, uh, what, what you're talking about there, because uh, the last defense coordinator I worked for, uh, when I got there, it was at, it was at Tyvee High School there in Kerrville. And I was still pretty young, still pretty uh, green to the coaching, you know, profession. And one of his favorite things, and I've said it a lot on this podcast before, is he would always say, details, dude. And he would usually say that when I screwed up a run card or, you know, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't do something, you know, I didn't pay, you know, I, I got it done. I finished the task, but I screwed something up. And he would tell me, he'd hand it back to me and say, hey, details, dude. And, and the biggest thing is, is, you know, we would draw cards on Sunday, uh, draw play cards. And I'd give them to him, you know, run them off and give them to him so he could put together the, uh, the, the books, you know, the team books, or the inside books. And, and my biggest fear was coming back to my desk on Monday and seeing some of those plays back on my desk with, with highlighted uh, where I messed up, where I drew, you know, I drew a block wrong or I drew a formation or whatever. And he would always put details, dude. And it was, you know, he was, he was being sort of, uh, you know, funny about it, but also it showed me, like, man, I got I to gotta pay attention to that. So I, I credit him with helping me with that part of my, I guess, organization and preparation, because that wasn't a strong suit of mine, and it's still something I have to work at. But that, I think, is, you've already mentioned it several times, that's something that's vitally important, especially as a young coach, to understand the importance of details and paying attention to those little things. Yeah, Coach. I mean, he, I remember the, the saying, right? He had this saying. And at the time, I, I, I didn't really fully get it, but as the years went on, I was like, that's, Totally, totally real. He always used to say, what you see on Friday night, what you see in practice, he said, you either coach it or you allow it. Yep. And I'd be like, well, what do you mean? And I can't help it because the kid's crossing the street over. I can't help it because the kid's grabbing claws. And, but it makes sense. If, if we see these things, if we have an eye for these details, we can fix them, right? right. And if we right. don't fix them, there's got to be some type of some type of punishment, some type of discipline attached to that to where they know this is important to me. I don't need you doing that. And then muscle memory through drills and through reps, hopefully they can fix that issue. Right. And, and, and now that's something I say all the time. But young coaches a lot of times don't, don't understand that because they feel like it's a personal thing when really it's not. It's just yeah. a, it's a, it's a teaching tool. Yeah. I mean, we gotta we gotta demand a lot out of these kids. If we're you know, we're doing a tackling circuit yesterday. I told coach, said, Hey, we need to be doing this more often. We didn't do this a ton last year. You know, and, and, and it's one of those things, if the kids see it's important doing a tackle circuit, takeaway circuit, if they see it's important, then they know crap, we're we're working this, then this is important to these coaches. We need to make sure we're doing it right. No doubt, no doubt. And, and, and I think that, um, you know, when we, when we understand and we kind of come to that place where we realize, you know, that the details are important, then 
Uh, it's just going to make us, it, it changes the way that we, you know, that we watch film, that we prepare for practice, that we watch uh, and analyze and, and uh, break down our, our opponents, our, our own players. And, and it just affects the, the lens that, that we look through when we, when we look at everything, right? Uh, because now yeah. you're looking for those little things that you might have missed and you, you want to make sure you're, you're turning over every stone. And, and, and that is, it is one of those things. If you're a young coach and you're listening to this, if you can latch onto that and be a detail-oriented guy, that's going to put you ahead of the game. Well, talk to me about Plano, talk to me about Plano East specifically. You've been there for a while. What is it about Plano East that makes it such a special place to you? This is my this is my third coaching staff or, or my third head coach, which is rare in a lot of situations. But it's just different here. It's it's a so I live on the east side. My son goes to school out here. Um, I I've taught so many different students, siblings of different students, just all kind of craziness. But here's Here's how I describe Plano East. And anyone that has ever worked here or lived here can attest to this. It, it's a huge place, right? It's a big school, but it's got a small town feel to it. And 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 what I mean by that is this. It's so big, but you go to the store, people see you. Hey coach, hey coach, like people don't even know. Um you uh just just different scenarios where you feel like just comfortable. You know, you feel like you're part of the fabric of where you where you work at. Yeah. Um, when we get out there in the community and, and do things, just being seen, being associated, people run up and give you love because they know what we do over here. They know what we're about. I mean, gosh almighty, man. The, the, these guys that I work with, these are some of the hardest working men, real authentic men you'll ever meet and you just fall in love with him, man. And you, you don't want to be nowhere else. And, um, you know, I've, I've had opportunities to, to go elsewhere, but it's just, it just like this, this feels right right now. This, yeah. this is where God wants me to be. And I, I can't explain it beyond that. It's just, I feel like I'm part of this community. Okay. Now, just like anybody else, opportunity may arise one day. That's life. Who knows? I mean, or something else may happen where I'm not here one day. But while I'm here, I want to make the most of it. And and as cheesy as it sounds, I, I really feel like part of this community. People would literally do anything for you. And, and yeah, everybody wants to win. Everybody wants state titles and all those things. But, you know, we haven't won state. And and yet still the community treats us with the utmost respect, and uh, it, it's it's just a blessing to serve these people, and and I truly feel like a servant. Serve these people because you know they're just they're awesome. I mean it's a it's a it's a truly a small town feel. Coach, I think that's no doubt the the, the mentality that you have to have. Uh, whenever you go to a go to a place, go to a school, go to a community, is that you you know you immerse yourself into that community and become a part of it. And I think that we as coaches can be guilty of always looking across the fence and looking at you know uh, looking at other jobs and 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 thinking that that you know the grass is always greener, right? But uh, you know if you can find that place where you know it's it, you you do feel like you're a part of the fabric of the community, you feel like you're making a difference, then 
you're right, then why do you need to move anywhere else? And that's, that's great that you have that there at Plano East. It is ironic that you say it feels like a small town because your school is the size of many small towns in the state of Texas with 5,500 <laughs> 5, kids. Um, so that's great that you guys can still maintain that kind of that small community, you know, close-knit type feel. But I want to go, I want to talk about just, just your enrollment numbers and the challenges that that presents. What are some challenges or some, maybe some unique things that you have to deal with being at a, a school that has that many students? Well, the hardest thing for us as coaches since day one was always how to maneuver the split school deal. So, so, so picture this, you know, you got three campuses, okay, and at the other two campuses, you had Williams and McMillan. They have their own mascot, take their own fight song, their own school colors. You know, one school's blue. Another school, blue in Vegas. Uh, you know, one school is called the Warriors, okay, and 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 one school is called the the Lions. You got all these, right? But you're all under one umbrella. You got a freshman team down there, you got a sophomore team down there. Then when you get up here as a junior, you got a true JV team, and your true JV team was your scout team. So for years, it was just hard to, okay. By the time we get them, unless they're special, special athletes, and we move them up, by the time we get them, they're juniors. Now you got two years to develop a junior who, you know, I mean, we got great coaches down there at Williams and McMillan, but getting them ready for that big boy ball, that Friday night ball, it's a whole different story. Yeah. I mean, reps are, are valuable. You know, we have more coaches up here, obviously, right? It was a challenge to have them Friday night ready and have years to develop them, right? Yeah. So for the first time, this, actually for this season, for the first time ever, now the sophomores come over here and practice with us. They represent our JV2. So now you've got the freshman team still at Williams and McMillan. They're going to keep them there for now, okay? Your sophomores are no longer... McMillan sophomores and Williams sophomores. Now they're Plano East sophomores, JV2, and then you still have a JV1. So you'll start to notice over the next, I'd say, two to four years, you're going to start to notice a lot of changes with the competitive nature of our program. Okay. And look at who we play. I mean, mad respect for our schedule. I mean, crap, man. We play Allen. You know, this non-district, Allen, Lake Highlands, Jesuit, okay? Then you get to district, you got Hebron, you know, Louisville, Plano West, you got Flyermouth, Plano, Coppell, Flyermouth Marcus. I mean, these are these are programs. Yeah. And yeah. You, can't, you can't be ready to play cats like that, eat three meals a day, not being able to develop your guys and have true 2D and backups. Instead of being so senior heavy, then when those seniors leave, now those juniors move up. Now, for a lot of them, it's their first year on varsity as yeah. a senior. Yeah. So that, that that's just oh. so it, that's just so interesting. You know, again, I'm at a place where you know, relatively small school. Uh, we have you know six hundred something students, uh, and and you know, I'm at a, a spot where uh, it, I'm involved with 
our seventh grade B team on up to our varsity guys. So I, I can see, you know, we have a, that's, it's a good and a bad thing, you know, like, like, like most things. Uh, I'm coaching a lot of football, but have an opportunity to, to develop, you know, the, every kid in our program, right? Like every, you know, I'm the defensive line coach or every defensive line kid that comes through. And so I just, I can see where that would be really difficult. You get these kids that are juniors now uh, and you're having to, having to get them ready for Friday night football, like you said. Now, are y'all the only school in your district that has done that with the sophomores, or is that the other Plano schools done that as well? Yes, the other Plano schools will also do that. Okay. Um, we try to follow, you know, a good policy of equity. You know, whatever one school does, all three will have. So for all three Plano schools, now they have a sophomore squad for their JV2 yeah. that's practicing on their campuses. Yeah. When you get those guys, I mean, it's it's almost kind of like a, like like you're a junior college coach or something like that, you know. Like you just got those guys for a couple years. How do you uh, how do you begin to cultivate relationships with those guys? That's the challenge. The way you put it is exactly what it is. It's almost it's almost like a farm system. Um, it's very important that you try to be before the switchover. We have to try to be as visible as we could which is hard because we have our own schedules. Yeah. You want to try to get down there so the head man would get down there a lot and go see those underclassmen. Go be seen. You might see a diamond in the rough down there. You know, you never know. You know, standing on the sidelines that they have a bad attitude and they playing and, hey, who's this kid? And then who knows, you know what I mean? So the head coach helped out with that quite a bit while we were over here doing our thing because we practiced at the same time. That's another difficult deal. It wasn't like, you know, the underclassmen were practicing in the morning and we were doing last periods like we do. We're all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So then you get to their game. That also helps. Get out to their games, go see what they look like, you know, and and but again, that's a big crap shoot sometimes. So it just you gotta be creative and that's why, you know, I can speak for every man who's ever coached in in this school or in this system, I mean, you got to be on top of your game because, you know, you may get patted on the back for going five and five because of everything you got to deal with. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean it's okay. So think about last year, right? We had to, this is what our system looked like. You know, you, you went through your Monday practice, went through your Tuesday practice, went through your Wednesday practice. And you you get your guys ready for Friday. Now you also got seventy other dudes who are your JV one. So they're running the scout cards. They're your scout team. They're giving you a look of that opponent. Oh, but they also got their own schedule. They play on Thursday night. So then we don't we didn't have a separate JV coaching staff like that. So the varsity coaches, minus the coordinators, of course, the assistants coach the JV two also. We also coach the JV. So Thursday night, and I know a lot of guys have to do this. I'm just kind of detailing what, what we do out here. So Thursday night, you're on the sidelines coaching JV. Okay, upload the video. Everybody can watch it in the morning. Come in Friday. They get ready for your varsity game. You'll, you go coach on Friday night. So you're coaching two games a night. Now, it's there, there's a little bit more having, having those sophomores now you can 
you know, you, you can you can breathe a little bit more because now we have four additional coaches. So we brought up uh, two feeder school coaches from each campus, from Williams and McMillan. They will be the coaches of the JV2. But essentially, they're just extensions of us. They're assistant coaches up here. Yeah. So they will also have duties, whether it's laundry, video uploads, you know, I mean, just, you know, I'm, I'm not telling you nothing you, you guys don't do. I mean, just there's a list of things to do that we had not a lot of guys, you know, not yeah. enough guys to do all that. And there's nights you get out of here on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, you get out of here at 8, 9 o'clock, you right. know? Right. So more bodies, more coaches, more duties spread out. I really feel like from a coaching perspective, we're about to get, so much better because of that change. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome, and that you know, I, I, I'm sure you guys are are, are, are uh, thankful for the extra help, and and, and that sounds like that's going to be really good for your program. There, having those sophomores up and being able to you know begin that process earlier of developing those kids and and you know be, be beginning to develop those relationships, kind of like what we were talking about. Now, today we're we're kind of talking about in in our conversation today about just the um, importance of instilling a proper mentality within your defensive line. And so I want to just, well, let, let's, let's talk about that. And what is that mentality that you guys have at Plano East within your position group? How do you get your kids to buy into it? And how do you ensure that that mentality is passed on from class to class each year? Okay. Well, our, our philosophy with those front guys is, look, we want to make practice as hard as we can. I'm talking, it's like, it's tough. Where every mistake, there may be up downs involved, there may be some some kind of you know some kind of correction, some kind of discipline to tack on to you know jumping off sides or you know a mental bust. But we want to make practice as hard as possible, so that way come game time, it's easy. And I don't mean easy. I mean it's going to be tough regardless. But practice it, man. We're like we're out there going crazy. I mean, you know. We're running team drills, set balls in the air. There's D linemen standing around watching. We're sprinting next to them. We're telling them, come on, we're, let's run to the ball. We're running to the ball with them. Like they just always have to have their head on the swivel. So we, we really want them to not get too comfortable during practice, right? Um, but that being said, we also want to have fun with them. So you got to really toe that line of, being the dude that's always, again, those details we talked about earlier, getting on their butt for everything, but also, hey, man, I love you. you know, I got on to you right there because you do that in the game. Third and two, we're in trouble, okay? And, 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 you know, you always find ways to reel them back in. So the fixed-in mentality, okay, but also with a loving edge to it. Now, when we were growing up, and I'm probably for sure older than you, I'm 42 years old, you know, when I was growing up, I mean, our, our coaches were grimy, hard. I mean, they were, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what molded us, right? But today, being a coach myself, I truly believe there's got to be that love in there, man. It, it, it's got to be there. And, 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 and I learned that from all the great ones that taught me when I got in this game that you can't be all X's and O's. And, and and ignore the fact that maybe this kid didn't eat lunch today or something. So you get to know him. You text him. You know, every now and then you may 
do a little beeline dinner or something. You know, you just try to find ways to show them that you're that you're human. You know, I remember growing uh, growing up, and and when I was in, and I'm I'm 34, so uh, I'm a little bit behind you, but. And, and I don't think I'm old enough to start saying like back in my day. Okay. So this isn't a back in my day story, anything like that. But I remember being in high school and my defensive coordinator is, is still coaching. He's the head coach at West Orange Stark, Cornell Thompson. Outstanding guy, outstanding coach. Love him to death. I remember when, one time I went to Walmart, me and my buddy, my buddy and I went to Walmart and we saw Coach Thompson out in the parking lot. Uh, he had this old blue truck that he was getting into. And it was just kind of like one of those things you stopped. I was like, whoa. Coach Thompson goes to Walmart. You know, like I thought, I don't know. I guess I just thought he lived in the field house. Like every time I, I saw him, he was in there, you know, like, but here he is. He's out in Walmart buying groceries like a normal person. And I think for us back, even again, not that long ago, it was just kind of strange to see your coaches as human beings and teachers yeah. and, and everybody. But I think now that that almost, they, they, it almost has to be where they could see you as, as a human, as a dad, you know, bringing your kids around and, and see you as a husband and just as a person who has a life away from the field house, I think that helps them, you know, you connect and, and build those relationships with those guys. I think that's important for sure. No doubt, no doubt. And you know what? That's something also that I've learned from my current head coach, Coach Joe McCullough. He's really big on family. And, uh, he, you know, he, I got a nine-year-old, my son's name Major. And he loves to see Major and the little kids running around, practice. You know, some coaches don't like that. Okay, and I get it. Everybody's different. But he's the type, if, if you miss a game or you miss something for football, oh, he, 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 he's going to get on you. So, you know, one day I do aspire to be a head coach. And, and I think when that day comes, that's one thing I will definitely carry over with me because <clears throat> I think it's important. Hey, don't mind if you bring your kids up here. Don't mind if the kids got a game. And, you know, I remember my son last year was his first year playing football. And, uh, man, it's such an awesome experience. And uh, I, would, I would tell Coach, hey, Coach, you know, when Major's game starts at, starts at 10, hey, I'm going I'm to go, go bust my butt to get over there in time, go watch it, and I'm going to come back and work. And he would always tell me, hey, you don't got to tell me. I know you don't have your business. Come back, do your job. You're good to go. You know, it's just a, it's just a point of, of, of us being men yeah. and, 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 and treat each other as such. Yeah, no doubt. And that's big for your players to see that too, that you're, uh, you're putting your son and your family uh, ahead of your work and, and, and even them, because you know, the, the, the ratio of time that you're spending with your players compared to what you're spending with your, your actual son gets a little lopsided, especially this time of year. Uh, let, let's get back to your defensive line specifically. So when I turn on the film of Plano East defensive line, what are some things that you're, you're going to hope that I see watching your, your, your guys? Relentless effort. I mean, you know, we, we've had some really, really great ones over the years. You guys playing at the next level and whatnot. But even if we don't, it ain't all about that. We're always going to have grimy, tough kids, even if they're undersized. I mean, there's, there's some years I may put a you know, 190, 200-pound D end out there, and he's just fighting his butt off, play in, play out, high football IQ, understands run fits, understands, you know, different aspects of the pass rush and the screen game. And I mean, I'm, I'm always blessed with that. 
And to be honest with you, it's not about me. It, 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 it's the east side. It's like straight up. It's just blue collar folks. Whether it's two parents or single parents, we're going to get those type of kids that um, they have a little, they're a little rougher around the edges, but but you can you can mold them, and 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 they have thick skin. You can coach them hard, you can love them hard. So they come to us like that. So it makes our jobs easy. We just put a little extra sauce in there and do what we do. But they they step into this thing, you know, already with high levels of respect, accountability. It's just, that's why it's so hard to leave this place. It's just such a, such a special crop of folks over there. How do you instill and then, and then uh, hammer in that idea of relentless effort? Like, what are some things you guys are doing in practice, maybe in off-season, whatever it may be? How are you instilling that attitude of relentless effort within your guys? Okay, so, so this, this year, this spring, we took um, a little different approach than we normally do. We've always done a – there's been certain years we've had to make off-season a little bit tougher, obviously, than others, right? But this year, we 2019 was kind of a rough one for us as far as the season went. You know, uh, those kids gave it everything they had, but it was just we just couldn't get the ball bounce our way. So many close games, and just a, it was a rough year. And um, so we went into the spring, and we said, man, what, what do we need to change? And we started looking back at things and, you know, the amount of penalties that we got. And we kind of narrowed it down as a staff to the fact that we said, you know what, how 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 close were these guys to each other? You know, I think we got a little X and O heavy in there, and a little scheme heavy different times, and and we 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 didn't. I I blame I blame myself. I blame I blame myself. For the struggles we had last year because I felt I didn't do enough to uh, mold them outside of the field. We just knew, man, we had a tough schedule. Uh, it was one of those weird years where we only had two starters returning on, on varsity, one on offense, one on defense. That was it. And the rest of it was the same scenario that I laid out earlier. All those juniors that were on JV the year before, as a senior, this was their one shot. They were on varsity, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 again, great crop of kids. Gave it all they had. A lot of close games. We should have won a lot of those games. It is what it is, right? But going back to a spring, we were thinking, okay, well, let's do this. Why don't we? We don't want to touch a ball until this certain date. And I'm talking like deep into the spring. We said, look, we're going to do some team builders. We're going to take this back uh, almost like a military-style deal, but with some fun injected in there. Now, we've always had music at practice. We always like to bounce around and have a good time. But we put even more of that in it this year. And we, and we really made a grand effort to get these kids to know each other. And, oh, my God, if you walk through this indoor facility, if you walk through, down through the practice field, if you walk through these hallways, when these kids were here, it, 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 I mean, you would feel the vibe. I mean, these kids are truly playing for each other. You know, guys are getting on the other guys, holding 
themselves accountable. You know, we don't have to always be the bad guys. And it was a, a deliberate effort for us to say we got to do a better job as coaches of developing the man within that helmet, within those pads. But you know how it is, Coach. You, you, you're, you're chasing wins. So sometimes it's just like, look, we, we got to, you know, we got to come up with a scheme to beat this. We got to come up with a scheme to beat that. And and it, it, it don't always work like that, especially when you have an opportunity during the spring to develop these young men. So we will credit our success that we truly feel we're going to have going back to the spring and to the summer workouts. I mean, there was a lot of bonding activities, like legit bonding activities, not just a couple minutes, man, let's go hit the weight room. There were some days we didn't touch the weight room where the whole off-season day was spent doing a team builder. So awesome stuff. I think it's interesting when I ask you about how do you instill relentless effort and that attitude in your players that you didn't say, well, we ran pursuit every day or, you know, we, you know, we filmed, uh, uh, you know, every, you know, conditioning and practice or whatever. It wasn't that it was, well, we got the kids to know each other better because then once they, once they feel like they're all in it together, they have that common bond. Now I'm playing not because I don't want a coach to yell at me. Uh, it's because I don't want to let my buddy down. I don't want that guy next to me down that I've grown to love and learn so much about. Is that what you would credit, you know, that mentality from is this now they're, they're playing for each other and not just to, you know, win a game or to, you know, keep a coach no off their back? No doubt. No doubt. And, and, and I don't, you know, I, there's obviously a lot of things I, I don't want to, like, mention because I don't want to call out certain kids or situations. But let's just say a lot happened during the spring and during the summer where everyone within these walls understood, wow, we've come a long way. Like, like, like things that went down that if, if it were a year or two ago, it, I mean, be, we would have imploded. But there's just there's just different air about these kids now. And again, we're not tooting our horn as coaches. The, the kids bought into it, and it it's trickled down, right? And it's trickled down, and they're talking different. The confidence, the, it's just, and I, I get I get goosebumps thinking about it. But um. It's uh, they make it easy. They made it easy for us because they were receptive to it. And at first, yes, it was it was tough for them. Okay, because again, you know, there was a little military touch in there, um, but there was also a focus on the individual, and and a lot of lessons in the classroom, things that as coaches in the past we ignored. Because, again, we're chasing that almighty W. And in this district, my goodness, I mean, I read you some of those teams earlier. I yeah, mean, that's yeah. just, I mean, we play some animals. Right. And, 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 and you know, but you got to balance it. you got to prepare them for adversity and prepare them for falling on their face because, I mean, they're going to, yeah, shoot, if you took my, if you stacked up my failures next to my successes, my failures will greatly outweigh my success. Period. Uh, no, no question. So, you know, just got to get those kids prepared for some adversity. Can you share some of those team-building activities you guys did this spring? Oh, yeah. I need to probably send you some videos, too. We got some crazy ones. So, so we did one where, all right, so we told them, we're trying to think, what can we do to put them in an adverse situation with a group where they had to think? 
So I went to the I went to Walmart and I bought a, a whole bunch of eggs. Okay, and so I got them in. I organized them in the row line, which ended up being like groups of eight kids or something like that, eight to ten kids. Okay, and I gave every group. They were in a circle. We did it in the indoor. I gave every group an egg. I want to say like two sheets of paper, maybe, or something, something tough, like two or three sheets of notebook paper, like two paper clips, and like one strip of tape. And I said, that's all you got. Your job in the next 10 minutes is to create a package that will surround this egg. We're going to climb you up on this ladder, going to elevate you to 10 feet. And you're going to drop the egg, okay? And we're going to open up the package. If the egg breaks, too bad, so sad, right? If the egg survives, then I got to eat the egg raw. <laughs> so, man, you want to talk about just hearing, imagine uh, uh, you know, 150 kids at one time doing that, just the sound of that as you walk through, debating organizing, throwing ideas out there, laughing, scratching their head, all that, right? And and to make a long story short, out of all those groups, two of them survived. And one of the kids made a parachute. It was amazing. This thing parachuted down, and I ate those two eggs, and they were <laughs> disgusting. But the kids loved it. And, it, again, it got them working together, right? Um then we would do this thing called, um, did this little deal called three, two, one, where I um, got some uh, a three by five index cards, line them up in their row lines. All right, everybody's got a three by five index card. Here's what I want you to write down. I want you to write down three things you have in common with probably most people in here. Okay. Then I want you to write down two things you have in common with maybe some of the people in here. So maybe you got green eyes, or maybe you got dreads, or whatever it is. Then I want you to write one thing without question that you have in common with nobody. Like nobody shares this trait or this characteristic. One weird thing. And so everybody wrote them down. They passed them up. We shuffled the index cards. Made everybody stand up. I'm gonna pick a random one. I'm gonna start reading. If what I read does not pertain to you, sit down. So of course, you start with the three. Uh, I got black hair. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm black. I'm white. I'm, and they start sitting down. When you get to that last one, there's one dude standing. You know, something weird like got six toes or then they got to tell a story. Okay? You got to introduce yourself. Tell us what position you play. Tell us about your six toes, dude. And just keep <laughs> them confident. Teaching them to speak in front of crowds, yeah. communication, teaching those other kids to lock in and listen, and yeah, have some fun and giggle with it. But when that man's got the floor, you let him speak, and you learn so much about the kids, and they learn about each other. That was a fun one. And we did just a series of them. We would do that every Wednesday. Okay. We, we, now, yeah, that was going to be my next question. We, 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 we would listen to. We, you know, we get after them in that weight room and condition and do all that. But that Wednesday, that was that was that was special to us. Those Wednesdays were were designated leadership days. We yeah. would do something in the classroom. Kayla kept a binder. Coach Rapp, who's phenomenal, 
former head coach at South Lake back in the days, our linebackers coach, old school cat, good man. Probably my mentor, taught me a lot. Okay, um, I could talk about him for hours, but he would lead the lessons. I would do the team builder, and then we'd send him home, and it, it, it was fun. Yeah, Coach, I think that's a that's something you're seeing. Uh, even a lot of college programs are doing. You know, taking that one day. You know, I, I know Ohio State does uh, Real World Wednesdays, uh, where they're just taking a break from you know, because usually a Wednesday is a good recovery day uh, if you're doing like a four day split. You know, with your with your off season program, uh, and and we 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 toyed with that a little bit this spring before obviously before coronavirus shut everything down. Uh, just doing something on Wednesday with our kids, but those are both great ideas and. I think sometimes we we can get so caught up in oh we got to hit this today we gotta we gotta run this or we gotta do this sort of conditioning, but that stuff is is just as important if not more important than than hitting the weights one more day. Uh, I, I think that's that's uh, especially in our climate in our social climate and where we are in our world today. I think that's something that you have to be doing, uh, providing that avenue for your players to to really get to know each other beyond the surface. So let's let's talk some football now. And again, this is something else that's unique uh, within your district. You talked about you know some of the guys that you play. You know, there's a lot of familiarity between opponents there. Um, you know, there's just I'm sure there's just not a whole lot of secrets because you're so close to each other uh, proximity wise. But again, you guys, uh, you know, your districts really don't change much uh, throughout the years. So how does that affect your game planning each week? Okay. You you really find out who your grinders are, um, and, and and that's all due respect to everybody we play, everybody we've ever played. It's such a tough district that if if you don't prepare, you don't prepare your kids. You know, then and there's been years that we've struggled with that, and you're in trouble. So video is obviously huge for us we all got tape on everybody but i got tape on us everybody knows what you're doing you know what your scheme is you know what their scheme is okay now it, it, really what it boils down to around here i'm just going to be honest with you uh there are so many really great programs you'll find the the better ones that you'll see making those playoff runs are usually the deepest and they got a two deep they got a three deep some of them have a four deep you know, and it's very hard to compete 6A football with these big boy conferences like this where you don't have depth. And I'm sure a lot of coaches can speak to that same issue. If you don't have depth and you lose one or two guys, then, gosh almighty, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, now, if you got you got the depth, you got and so many schools have that depth, where that next guy coming off the bench, he could go start anywhere else, but they just happen to have, you know, X amount of backs or quarterbacks or receivers. So, you know, they get those kids and they're going to develop them. And so numbers definitely, I mean, there's, there, there's weeks that we line up against teams down here and you look across the field and they're practically sideline to sideline. Yeah. You know, right. now with us, you know, we'll, we'll have typically between, Probably sixty kids ish, right? Or largely, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less. This year, we're going to have about forty seniors. The most seniors we've had since I've been here was sixty-five. 
you know, so you're gonna you're gonna fl- you're gonna fluctuate between about you know 35, 40 seniors up to somewhere in the 60s, and then you may have you you know five underclassmen, right? But you're talking some really really tough smart kids, but the years that we haven't had depth, it's really been a challenge, you know. And 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 we got to have guys that can go in there. Here's what here's how I heard it spoken best, especially with six eight football. I can't remember who told me this, but it made so much sense. Everybody out here has got talent, like everybody. But yeah. any one of these yeah. schools, any one of them, Marcus, Allen, us, we got talent, right? I mean, Hebron, you know, all these cats, they got talent, you know. Um, but here, here, here's the key. What do their other guys look like? Right? Yeah. What do yeah. other guys look like? And, and, and that's where so many programs are really doing a great job of kicking butt. They're developing those other guys, and they have those other guys. Yeah. And, and, and you don't have those other guys. When I say other guys, I don't mean that as a knock. I'm just saying, like, you know, everybody wants the FBS D1 kids. But guess what? Look at the numbers. Not everybody's going to play D1 college ball. Right. The percentages are low. You're talking, you know, less than 6 7%. So what about the other dudes, right? I mean, got some tough other dudes who can play some ball, but they may not be 6-4. They'll win you ball games too. And uh, I think that's the difference with us this year compared to maybe some recent years. Um, we have more numbers now. Yeah. And so now yeah. we're getting an opportunity to develop those other dudes instead of, you know, in a lot of situations having to develop them late in the game as seniors. You know, now you're getting a little bit younger. Yeah, we, we call those kids program kids, right? And you identify those maybe yeah. sometimes as middle school kids or your, you know, freshman or sophomore. I remember I always say, you know, yeah, so-and-so, yeah, he's not real tall or he's not real strong or he's not real fast, but you know, hey, he's a program kid. And what that meant was is he's a kid who's going to, you know, probably not play a lot till his senior year, but he's gonna be one of those guys that we can depend on, we can count on. Uh he's gonna do, you know, he's gonna be where he's supposed to be. He, he, they're your glue kids, right? Like you have your your elite kids, your 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 up in, you know, your 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 high end kids or whatever, athletic ability wise. But then you have those just glue kids, kinda like what you talked about, those grimy, tough kids. And those are the guys that, that really hold your program together. And that's why, which are talking about bringing these sophomores up, that's why that's so important because you can identify those kids earlier, right? Like everybody can go out yeah. there and see the flashy kids, but it's those, who are those kids that are going to be the glue kids in our program? Hey, man, man, I'm, you know, I mean, that, that, totally right. I mean, I said it better, and, and I live by that. And I'm so thankful that we do have that opportunity now those sophomores being up. So, so what are some uh, offensive schemes that you guys face regularly that, that you know you have to be ready for on a on a week to week basis? Um, I would say maybe for for us, obviously we're gonna see a lot more run, um, a lot more RPO. You know, we don't see a ton of um, we don't see a ton of tight ends and fullbacks and 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 and, and you know. 22 personnel, and you might, see, you might see a little bit of that, but it's not week in, week out. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna primarily see 
10 personnel, 11 personnel. Okay, we'll see the one tight end. A lot of H-back stuff. Yeah. And it seems like maybe the last three, four years, that H, and he's usually about a, you know, six foot one, 210-pound kid, you know, tough, you know, a little sniffer back in there. We see a lot more of that. Um, you know, we don't see a lot of teams that are just, you know, wide open passing attack. Um, you know, you might see a team that might be, you know, 60% pass, 40% run, maybe once a year, but we got to stop the run. And, and it's, you know, I can't remember what the percentage was last year, but it was crazy high. Most teams are going to run the ball that we see. And I don't think it's any different this upcoming year. Although we got some really good quarterbacks on the schedule. So we'll see some, uh, a little bit more passing this season, I feel. Yeah, and yeah, that and, RPO game, that RPO game is it's, it's tough too now. Yeah, no doubt, coach. And and, and I mean, uh, the the way offenses, especially in, in DFW, when I think of DFW football, I've never coached there, but but you know, that's I, I kind of think of it as you know, it's it's going to be you know mostly resemble the college game, uh, and and have a lot of like you said, ten personnel, twenty personnel, things like that. Um, you know. With, with with them using that H back, you know, you get a lot of your powers and your split zones and your counters and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. How are you guys handling that? Those that that H back. How are you playing that? What are, what are you guys doing with with those types of of uh, personnel grouping? Well, one thing we'll do with with scouting is, you know, over the weekend when we're breaking down tape, we want to identify, especially in the run game category. How much run is going to that tight end? Yeah. Or, or my, my fault, to that H back. Yeah. Sometimes it can be a tight end. Uh, you know, is it, is it a power team? Like I said, is it, is it the split zone stuff? Um, we're trying to get some misdirection with him. And w- what we tend to find is a lot of run games going back away from the H. Right. A lot of, uh, you know, guard pulling, backside guard pulling with him giving the counter looks, and so it's really just a, a, a butt-ton of video, you know, is this run game to the field, to the boundary, so we really track a lot of that, and, uh, you know, then we also want to see, hey, are, are they going to sneak him out and flat or something? They're trying to be that guy, can you catch? Um, you know, do we need to, you know, do something on the back end to account for him? Can the backers take care of him? So, just, just mostly things like that we got to look at in terms of that age. And we see some really good age back. So it's a, I don't know if it's, you know, I know it's not anything new, but we've just seen it more in the last three, four seasons. Well, I think a, 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 an attractive part of using an H back is because usually those guys are the guys that we were just talking about. They're usually your program kids. I mean, I don't know how many H backs are going to play Division One football. You know, I mean, I, I, there's probably some out there, but usually they're your hard-nosed kids who aren't quite big enough to be a, an offensive lineman, or they're not quite athletic or fast enough to be a running back type kid, or maybe you know a linebacker that that is maybe limited in their in their their coverage abilities, whatever. But those are usually those types of kids, which usually makes them tough, right? Like they're gonna go stick their face in the fan and be a problem for you, um, you know, as you you know as you get ready to game plan for those guys. When talking about your defensive line, is there anything you guys do schematically or technique-wise 
that's unique or different that you would be willing to share? We got the bigger kids now, but traditionally our defensive ends have kind of always been, you know, glorified outside linebackers. Like a lot of them go play outside linebacker in college. You know, probably 6'2", 6'3", 230, 225, you know, and any other scheme, if you have some big bodies, they'd be true linebackers kind of deal. And then, you know, we tend to have that that that, that big body at, at nose. Uh, our nose last year was a really good player. He's probably about 280, about 6'1". Um, so we usually have a nice thick plugger in there because we're a three-down front. Um, now, what do we do differently? Um, since we're not the biggest, right, then, I mean, it's no secret, you know, we, we like to move our guys. I mean, much like everybody else that has an undersized line, I mean, we're going we're gonna to show you different looks. Um, we're going we're gonna to stand them, you know. We're going to plant them. We're going to run some games. We're going to try to attack blocking schemes, you know, based on down and distance and pass pro. And, you know, we're going to chart all that stuff and look at where we can maybe get a, a matchup that we like. <clears throat> You know, so we have a, a bigger athletic kids who can do all that. So, we're, you know, to answer your question, we're not going to be the type of front that's just going to sit in there and just, you know, I mean, we, we, we got some dynamic kids that can move and we're going to take advantage of that. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to see if they can, they can help us out by moving. Yeah, that's a great thing to do when, when you do have those. Uh, athletic kids, but that perhaps are a little bit undersized. Is you know, the last thing you want to do is just keep those guys uh, static and 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 have them taking on you know double teams and things like that. But if you can get those guys moving and eating up gaps and making that that picture uh, a little bit muddy for the for those offensive guys, that's always a plus. Well, here's a question for you. We talked. We've already talked about just the challenges of of coaching at a at a school the size of Plano East. As you guys get ready to kick off your season here in a couple weeks. How are you dealing with the coronavirus within your program, and, and what are some things you guys are going to be doing, some steps you're going to be taking uh, as you get ready to welcome your kids back and have them in practice and you know get ready for games? What, what are some things you're going to be doing to keep your guys safe? I'll tell you what, the, the summer was big for us because it gave us an opportunity to, to really um, get our flow down with the procedures, with the cleaning, with the – and it was awesome because we really trained the kids up, uh, you know, where, where they got really good at it. And, you know, we had we had one positive case, and um, that was the very last week of summer program, you know. So, I, and again, you can't control what they do when they leave here. Right. So I'm not I'm not saying that what we did was necessarily what kept the, the numbers low, right? But we felt like we did above and beyond cleaning, cleaning, man, so much cleaning and, and, and the way we structured the workout to, you know, uh, account for cleaning time and, uh, you know, kids wearing masks and the way we organized the weight room, the way we organized the rotation of the kids. It was all one kind of one path, almost like a, a a counterclockwise motion, only in certain doors, only out certain doors. And those things really help prevent kids from, you know, being in too close proximity and bumping into each other and all that. 
all the coaches were on board. And before we even started summer program, we took, I mean, literally weeks of planning and coming up with proposals and working with our, our awesome athletic administration office. I mean, Coach Smith and Coach Hines and Coach KK and 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 all those all those guys over there are just incredible. I mean, came up with some really good ideas. We used QR codes for the sign in, the check. You know, the kids had to check off some stuff. Hey, have oh, wow. you been in contact with anybody? Really much like everybody else was doing, yeah. especially um, local high schools and different colleges. And, but we all trained up on it before the kids even showed up, like three weeks in advance. We did dry runs. A few times we brought the coaching staff up, and we actually did dry runs with ourselves. And it was, it was through that that we were able – to find holes within what we thought was a great idea. And, um, you know, laying the tape out there for them to stand on six feet apart and just so many, so many little things that you forget sometimes that probably ended up keeping these kids a lot more safe because we thought outside of the box. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was awesome. We have awesome training staff. Just you know, and then we had a good amount of cleaning supplies that that, that really lasted us, and we still have a lot left. We didn't know if it would survive, but it did uh, through the summer and then into the start of the season, uh, August. Well, that's pretty amazing that you guys have had one positive case in your program with that many uh, guys rolling through there. So obviously, you're doing something right. I can't imagine. You know, we're in the middle of this. We're, we're on week three uh, of practicing. And, and, you know, with just the numbers that we have, which is like, I think we have, I don't know, maybe 130 out there, uh, you know, practicing at one time. Uh, that's that's a, 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 a just a full-time job, keeping those kids spread out, keeping their masks on, and, and, and all the precautions, mm-hmm. with the, all the things with the water. That's a challenge with that number. I can't imagine what it's going to be like or what it, what it would be like, just the, the logistics of handling that with a, with a school like, like you guys. But again, obviously you guys are doing something right, and, and I think that it's, that it's great that you guys have done that, and, and it just really, I think, uh, points to what, what I think should be a full season where we kind of work through this and, and learn our way through you know, what it's going to take to keep our kids you know, um, on the field playing, and I think that's the best for what's best for them and for us as coaches for sure. Yes, sir. All right, Coach, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to close out our episode with our, our rapid-fire segment. I'm going to throw a couple words at you. You tell me your preference. You have a journalism background, so this is probably a piece of cake for you because I know you're probably used to thinking <laughs> thinking on your feet, being quick on your feet. So we're going we're gonna to roll through this, and, and you tell me what your preference is between these words. This first one, this first one's easy. Here we go. Head up, nose, or shade? Ooh, that's tough. I that's stumped tough. you on the first oh, wow. one already. I stumped you. Good one. Good one. Now, okay, Coach, I'm going I'm to go, okay, it's early, so I'm going to go shade right now. Okay. And, and, and the reason I'm going to go shade is because, you know, I want to I wanna, I wanna attack half a man, you know, get, get him good at that, right? And then eventually we'll start to deceive our – opponents a little bit. We'll start to move those guys' head up. Okay. All right. I'm late, so I'm going to go shade. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Fair enough. Three down or four down front? Ooh. 
I'm going to go odds front. Okay. I'm going to go right. odds front because those guys behind them are some animals. Okay. Here, here is a question for you outside of football. We're talking now. This is, we're turning to NBA basketball. We have the playoffs going on in the bubble. Are you, have you watched any of the NBA since it's been down in the bubble? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So here My you go. Well, well, and that's okay. I, I, I just was assuming you're a Mavericks fan, uh, but I'm going to toss it over so you're not because at the risk of you being uh, biased, we're going to toss it over to another uh, to another Western Conference series going on right now. Uh, if you had to repick. Your team. So you had to redraft, redraft a team right now uh, with players that are in the bubble, okay? Uh, and and you're, you're, Coach, you're drafting this team. Uh, who would you rather start with? Who's going to be your first pick, LeBron James or Damian Lillard? LeBron. Wow, still going with LeBron. Okay, all right, all right. Oh, yeah. So the, the age, I mean, the on, age doesn't scare you? No. Okay. That dude is... We'll talk about attention to details. I mean, you build you build a team around a giant like that. Okay. All right. I coach. I, I so you're a LeBron fan. I'm assuming. Well, I, I wouldn't say like I you're, got his posters on the wall. Yeah, you're not like that kid that came out on YouTube like LeBron James. LeBron James. You're not, you're no, not. no, no. <laughs> but but God, man, that dude is built like a like a tank. Yeah. No, you're right him. about that. That's you're right scary. about that. Okay. All right. So here, this is something on the horizon for us and, and um, that, that looks like it's going to happen, at least in our part of the country. What are you more excited about starting up, college football or the NFL? Okay. And, and, and let me explain why. You said, you said okay, college football, I, right? I, you cut out a little bit there. College football? Yes, sir. Okay, co- college football. College right. football for sure. I, I, I just think, I think that the college guys, the game is a little bit more, and I know some of those guys have been talking about getting paid and whatnot, but it, it, I, I just feel like it's more pure. Yeah. And it's not as, you know, not as money driven with the contracts and didn't get the extension, so I'm not going to training camp. And so that's why I roll that way. I got you. Who's your college team that you root for? You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna laugh at me. I don't, I don't have a team. I am a college football fan. Now, when I, I was you. growing up, okay, I didn't mention this earlier, my, my family's from the West Indies. So my my uh, my father's from Trinidad. My mom's from – actually, I'm sorry, I said that backwards. Father's from Barbados. Mother's from Trinidad. Okay. So West Indians always would have – you know, when I was a kid, it was a big thing about the University of Miami, you know, Florida, yeah. obviously, yeah, yeah, proximity yeah. to the island. So I grew up. A hurricane fan. Okay. Love the cane. Now, as I've gotten older and being a coach, I'm more of a college football fan. I just love to coach. I don't care if it's a, a, a Division three game. I love college ball. Now, I throw it off. I'm just I'm going to watch the whole game. And I'm looking at how their D-line plays. I'm looking at how their special teams aligns to different things. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Like a teaching tool. Yeah, and that's that's the great thing about DVR is you're it's like you're watching film. You can pause and rewind and and all those things record, of course. Uh, so okay, yeah, I'm with you on the college football for sure. I, I'm definitely uh, more excited about that. And and you know, I think I don't know if this is true for every coach, but it is true for me. Is you become more of a coach. You know, I'm I'm really more of a, a fan of college football in general. You know, um, my 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 dad and and other family members went to went to Texas. 
Uh, and so I grew up, okay. we, we all grew up being Texas fans. I'm still a Texas fan, but, you know, I really am a fan of, of all Texas college football schools. And, and if those guys are playing someone outside of the state, I'm, I'm pulling for them for sure. But uh, I'm with you on college, on the college football. Okay. Speaking of Texas, okay, you're a Dallas guy, a DFW guy, but what's the better Texas city to visit, in your opinion, Houston or San Antonio? Okay, we're gonna have to discuss this, Coach. Okay. All right. Okay. I, 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 I'm a, okay. I don't want to offend anybody. Okay. I'm a, I'm just gonna shoot straight from my personal experiences. Okay. I love Houston. Okay. Now I know the traffic is crazy and and, and all that, but I I think it stems back to my to my upbringing to my. Uh, West Indian background. We're we're we're, we're coastal people. Yeah. So okay. Houston, Houston all, always had. There's just a, a there's a coastal flavor down there. Everybody's super laid back. Um, everybody. It's just I don't know. It it, it just it it feels like. It, it just it just it just feels it just feels different. Okay. You know, it yeah. feels like I'm yeah. like I'm like I'm back home. I got you. I got you. I, and that's big, you know, because there's kind of a rivalry between DFW and Houston, you know, uh, especially high school football when you talk about high school football. So that's big to be able to say that, that Houston is your preference there. I, I personally, I grew up an hour north of Houston uh, and, and, you know, I'm a Houston sports fan, but I had to roll with San Antonio. I, I lived uh, close to San Antonio for six years, love the city. Uh, and, and, you know, to me, it's a, it's a, it's a great city. Just kind of, I, I like the vibe there. It's a big city, but it's easy to get around and, and traffic's usually not a big deal, but anyway, uh, Houston, I can respect yes, it. I can respect it. H time. Okay. All right. Let's talk about this. <laughs> let's talk about this pregame routine for you. Uh, are you listening to music or no music? Oh, music for sure. Oh. I mean, hundred percent. So I got a little, got a little routine where, um, I have a pre, two, two pregame mixes, okay. and I like to sit on the bench and just kind of take in what's going on. You know, the other team pulls up, you know, check them out a little bit and listen to my music and maybe look over the game plan. And I, I just, I like to get really chill and in a really comfortable place. I'm not super talkative uh, pregame-wise. Uh, but definitely music, and I gotta listen to music that is uh, gonna get me juiced up. Come, come, kick off. What, what's on Coach Collins' game day playlist? Can you give <laughs> us a taste of I it. I knew that was coming. Hey, now don't 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 judge me. I'm just telling you what's on there. Okay? Hey, hey, this is a safe spot. Uh, this is a safe place. Safe place. No judging. Okay. I, you know, I like I like my little old school pot, Biggie. Okay. You know, you might find a little little Jeezy on there. Um, you know, you might find a little Gucci, some Dolph. Okay. Um, okay. You know, just 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 music that really uh, how should I put this? That motivates me to to get after. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No um, doubt. No doubt. But 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 I would say I'd say Pac and Biggie is about as old as I'll get. Okay. And then you know. The new stuff, you know, I might listen to a little Migos, might listen to a little. I, I'm just kind of all over the place. Yep. You know. Yep. Um, just, just anything that's got a message that 
I can bounce around to it a little bit. Yeah, I got you. I got you. All right. Uh, what about you? What about you, Coach? Oh, you're putting me on the spot. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Now, see, here's and here's the interesting thing. So, I've been at, at three different schools, and I'm always end up being the music guy. Like, like every day we play music at practice, and I'm it's on off my phone on a playlist that I that I make. So, uh, I kind of am am well rounded in my music uh, tastes. Uh, there's not a whole lot I don't like, but if it's game day, yeah, it's usually some sort of, um, you know, some sort of rap uh, mixed in with a little bit of rock, you know, so maybe some hard rock stuff, but not not a whole lot. It's 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 primarily rap, and it's it's usually old school stuff. You know, you know Houston rap stuff is is what I'm rolling with most of the time. Uh, you know, every now and then, every now and then, I'll talk to the kids and kind of you know figure out what they're what they're checking out because I do like to sort of stay relevant and current. Um, it's got to be edited, of course. I got I got to find the edited version. I tell them, hey, if you can find the edited version and send it to me, I'll listen to it. Yep. And uh, yep. and so I do like to stay somewhat current because every now and then I like to just throw out stuff from you know from song you know just to kind of keep them on their toes and let them know that that I'm paying attention. But yeah, uh, definitely I'm a music fan on game days for sure. All right, coach, for you on game day, press box or sideline? Okay. Definitely sideline. One year I did press box two seasons ago, and I, I won't I won't lie to you, coach. It was it was like uh, it was amazing. I, I, I just the things you see. Wow, I mean it, it, it was it was incredible. But I like being down there with my guys. I like feeling uh, flow of the sideline, the mood of the game. I'm gonna definitely go sideline, but that. That press box, though, that's a that's a whole other line of sight, you know. Yeah, it is nice being able to see, um, but it, I, you just can't replace being on the sideline with your guys and 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 getting the you know getting the juice of the crowd and all that. I mean, that's that's that's. I, I think it's hard for most de- most defensive line coaches, not all most defensive line coaches. I think it's hard for them to be in the box just yeah. because generally we are guys who. You know, are run pretty hot, and it and it's hard for us just to 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 sit in the box and be that detached from the game. You can see a lot of stuff, yeah. and you you do have you know I, I spent half of this past season in the box before I ended up coming down, and and my roles kind of changed a little bit uh, on game day. But you you do have a great idea of what they're doing. You know, you can come out of this press box at halftime and say, hey, here's exactly what they're doing. Here's a, here's where they're attacking us. Da da da. And that's awesome, which is why what those guys do is invaluable. I love it. I would just rather someone else do it and need to be down on the sideline. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Same way I feel. I, I, you get to, DFW is known for its just unbelievable uh, high school football stadiums. Okay. And I think you've yeah. had a chance to, to, to be in both of these. So I want to ask you, which one do you think is the better high school stadium? Hopefully this doesn't get you in any trouble. But you got Allen Stadium. Right, most people know aware of that one, or the new McKinney Stadium. Which one to you is the better high school football stadium? Wow. Okay, I, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Allen Allen Stadium just because it, it's you know there's more seating, and I realize you know they don't they don't lose there, so it's not a fun experience usually. But just as far as the the the, the visuals, the layout of it, it it's bigger to me. So I'll go. I'll go, Allen. Now I will go. I'll go. I'll go one step further as far as the locker room facilities in the back. I'm. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with McKinney, the new okay. McKinney. I okay. mean, they got 
that that locker room back there. I don't know if you've ever been back there. It it's special. Really, I mean, you, you know, you can look out the window and see the field, and um, it's just it's really nice. But yeah. I'm gonna go Allen as far as stadium. Yeah, yeah, and, and and that's one thing about being in DFW is you're not playing in any dumps. Uh, you know, everybody's got an awesome stadium, and, and you know, we play with us being you know in the upper northeast corner of the state. You know, most of the time when we get to the playoffs, we're, we're coming that way, coming to DFW to play. And the year before I got here, they played a playoff game in, in Allen, and then we've, we've been fortunate enough to play uh, some playoff games in the Star. And, and there's just a lot of great high school football stadiums in, in the, in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area, and those are two that, that stand out for sure. Okay, last question, Coach. We'll get you out of here on this one. Plano East, okay. uh, who would you rather beat on your schedule, Plano High School or Plano West? Now that's that's a loaded question because last year was interesting. But I, I, I'm a wow, coach. That's a good question. I, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Plano. Okay. okay? And here's why. Here's why. It, it, it's. I think the you know our, our head coach played at Plano East. You know he was the he's a former head coach. His brother's the former head coach at Plano. Our uh, defensive coordinator played at Plano East. That there's, you know, there's guys that have been on staff that played here, and you ask any one of them, they're going to go Plano because it's, it's just that rivalry. I mean, Coach will share with us stories about playing those guys back in the day, and, and you almost feel like you're there in the game, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I will go Plano rivalry. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Yeah, I, I've I've never been a part of those, you know, uh, of that route. But just seeing it from afar, that that really doesn't surprise me too much. You know, I would I would I would I would assume that you would go with Plano there. But but yeah, that's that's a great thing. That's a really special thing to be on a staff where those guys coached there. I mean, I'm sorry they they played there and they so they definitely have some skin in the game beyond just hey we want to win here because we want to bolster our resume. Uh, they're you know they're Plano East guys through and through, and so that, that that's got to make it special. Coach Collins, I appreciate you uh, joining us tonight and, and sharing some things with us. Really learned a lot, you know, about what it takes to to be a coach in a school uh, with the dynamics like Plano East, and you know, a huge school like that. And and it's it's eye opening for me, and I'm sure for a lot of guys listening. So thank you for coming and just bringing it and 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 being all about the details. And I know I learned a lot, and I know that the guys who who are listening to this are going to be blessed because of what they heard today. Coach, I, I I'm honored to be on. I, I appreciate you calling. I love talking ball, and uh, you know if there's ever anything I could do in the future, let me know. I mean, shoot, man, this is this is awesome what you're doing. I'm a I'm a student of the game, and I love things like this. So again, the honor is all mine. You having me on, and I appreciate that. Thanks again to Coach Collins for joining us today. He is not on Twitter, but you can shoot him an email at nathan.collins at pisd.edu. You can find that email address in our show notes of today's episode. If you would like to get in touch with him, you can definitely shoot him an email. He would be glad to hear from you. Now, I I loved what he had to say, what Coach Collins had to say about the importance of details, which I think separates, you know, if I'm being honest, separates good coaches from great coaches. You know, it's that attention to detail. And really, that's, that's across the board. That's not just coaches. That's people. That's that's your players that you that you, that you are you're dealing with. That's people in the business world. Uh, it really is all about the details. 
And you know, doing the big stuff, that's easy. You know, everybody does those things, right? Like everybody goes to work and, and you know, they do their job, they do what's asked of them. I mean, most people do that anyway. You know, and as far as coaches go, we all do certain drills, but what what is the goal of that drill? Like what specifically are you looking for out of your kids in that drill? What should their steps look like? What should their footwork look like? Where should their hands be, their eyes be? You know, do they know the answers to all those questions? Uh, because they won't be detail-oriented if their coach is not detail-oriented. So that was really convicting for me. Loved that. Also thought it was really interesting to hear Coach talk about challenges of coaching at a school with, you know, with like 5,500 students uh, and then only have juniors and seniors on campus and not even really getting to work with those freshmen and sophomores, you know, and not to mention junior high kids. That was just, just totally foreign to me. But anyway, uh, big shout-out to Coach Collins. That Plano East D-line is in great hands with him. Our quote of the day provided to us by Coach Collins is this, I fear not the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks once, but I fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. That is, of course, a quote made by Bruce Lee, who you got to believe would have been one heck of an edge rusher, you know, I had to imagine, because you know, no offensive tackle would have been able to touch him, right? I mean, I would imagine his speed, his, his get-off would have been unreal. Uh, plus, his hand-fighting abilities, I mean, come on, unmatched, right? It's over with. Anyway, that will do it for today's episode of KYPD. Of course, we'll be back next week where we will have another video-slash-podcast episode with a sharp small-school defensive coordinator talking about his defense. So some really great stuff for you on next week's episode as well. So subscribe now. Tell your friends about us. And join us back next week. If you're liking what you are hearing, make sure you give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. It takes a shorter amount of time than it does for an up-tempo offense to snap the ball. So do that. That helps us out a ton as far as getting the word out about our podcast here. Until then, have a great week. Good luck to all you guys who are fortunate enough to have a game this week. And as you're putting together your game plan, make sure you tell your guys, Keep your pads down.